Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and French Revolution buff, Brendan Tuma. It's the final edition of The Kickoff for the 2021 season, and so something a little special today. We're going to talk about some players. I was higher on or lower on than just generally the consensus, guys. I was right and wrong on all that good stuff. But I always say with me is my producer, Brendan Tuma, and that usually means he is behind the virtual glass producing the podcast. But today is actually here with me to close out the season. Brendan Tuma, extraordinaire. What's up, man? How you doing? This is some serious breaking down the fourth wall type stuff we have going on here. But, but I'm excited to be here. Just talk a little football with you at the end of the year here, Dan. Yeah, Tuma has basically been my <laughs> my solo producer forever at this point. He's produced, you know, so many of the podcasts that I do, and we are good friends. Uh, so thought we'd do a couple things here. First, we'll do the news and notes, of course, but I'll actually give that uh, to Tuma first um, before I, I, you know, we get into the show. I'll let him actually do the news and notes since he's the one who's usually keeping me up to date anyway. Then we're just going to talk about a few players. Essentially, we were right on, we were wrong on before the season started. And then real quick, because Tuma has just gotten a full-time job in the fantasy industry and he grinded the heck out of it, we're going to talk a little bit about that. It won't be a crazy long show, maybe a little bit longer than others, but uh, we'll get into all of that. Uh, are you cool with that, Brendan Tuma? That works with me. You know, it's been always been my dream to talk about the injury stuff on a podcast with you. I know you do love talking about it. Now that you've made it to a full-time role, you get to do it. Uh, but before I turn over the news notes to Tuma, let me remind you for one final time this year about our sponsor, TickPick, because again, these free tickets that they're giving away, the season ticket packages for the 2022 season, they're still going to be doing a drawing here going forward for next month as well. So make sure you enter. Remember, they're doing a drawing every single month to pick a lucky winner for 2022 season tickets to their favorite NFL team. That's it. As I said, each package is valued at over $3,000. So go to TickPick.com slash pros, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash pros. You lose nothing by doing it, and perhaps you gain season tickets to your favorite NFL team. All right, Tim, are you ready to do the news and notes? Yep, let's head right All to right. it. All right, have at it. All right, news and Notes, Lamar Jackson did not practice on Thursday due to his ankle injury. This is notable because he did practice on Wednesday, but if you saw the video footage, he looked a little gimpy out there. He's probably on the wrong side of questionable now for week 17. So fantasy managers look for a backup option, possibly Trey Lance. Ben Roethlisberger suggested that week 17 against the Browns will likely be his final home game this was expected that he retires after the season randall cobb was designated to return from ir by the packers and then washington offensive coordinator scott turner said there's no plan to rotate quarterbacks in week 17 18 not a ton of fantasy impact there we'll just quickly touch on the covid stuff and then practice updates it was kind of a light day for news on thursday returning from the covid list was tyler huntley who would probably now start in place of Lamar Jackson, if he doesn't, he he's kind of he's a high end QB too, I would say, due to the rushing. And then Mike Williams was also back from the COVID list due to the new policies. He has a really tough matchup against the Broncos. I'm not extremely I'm not very bullish on Mike Williams for week 17. Placed on the COVID list was Darius Slayton and Tevin Coleman. Again, not a ton of fantasy impact. Coleman's absence is probably leads to more touches for Michael Carter. 
Let's get to some practice reports. Mike Evans returned to practice. He was dealing with hamstring and COVID stuff. Jordan Howard returned to practice with that stinger. If he plays, you know, Boston Scott isn't as trustworthy of a starting option. Rondell Moore returned. Paris Campbell returned. Paris Campbell's been out for a long while. Saquon Barkley was limited due to his ankle. He's kind of tough to trust this week. If you haven't, Pat Fryermuth was practicing in full from his concussion. And then Dalvin Cook was practicing in full since coming off the COVID list. That's good news for him. Not practicing James Conner due to the heel. Obviously, Chase Edmonds is a RB1 if Conner doesn't play. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire remained sidelined. Darrell Williams would be a plug-and-play RB2. Kareem Hunt remained sidelined. Antonio Gibson didn't practice due to his hip. Nelson Aguilar didn't practice due to a concussion. Emmanuel Sanders was DNP. If Sanders doesn't play, that would increase the fantasy outlook for Gabriel Davis. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't practice. Again, Trey Lance is looking like the streamer of the week, especially for those who had Lamar. Jared Groff didn't practice due to his knee. Marquise Brown didn't practice due to an illness. Teddy Bridgewater is still not practicing due to his concussion. And that looks like Drew Locke is going to start again. And then finally, A.J. Brown didn't practice. This is probably just a maintenance day. But it's still slightly concerning that, you know, he's only 24 years old and has needed so many maintenance days throughout his career. All right. That was the news and notes presented by Tuma. Let's get back to the show. All right, uh, Tuma, let's talk about some players we were right on, players we were wrong on. I've actually gone back and been able to pull up all of my uh, rankings that I had during the draft season. I could see just generally where I was higher, where it was lower than the consensus. And there were some hits and there were some misses. Uh, Have you sort of had a chance to look at your, you know, feelings or recommendations on players preseason and compare them just to how they actually turned out? I did a similar thing. I went back to my uh, last minute uh, draft cheat sheet. It was called that we did on fantasy pros. And in there, I had some, you know, macro level strategy tips and whatnot, and then some individual player stuff. But this off season, personally, I got really into like the, the macro level view of fantasy football and what positions you should be taking and when and everything. And similar to you, as always with every analyst, there's, there's hits and misses and you just try to learn along the way and be better for next year. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about a couple of specific players that I was higher on and lower on. And I think most people know I'm not the boldest guy, right? Like, I'm not the guy who who puts, you know, a, a guy who the consensus has at, like, QB20 as my QB4. Like, that's just not the way my model works. But I, I did certainly have some recommendations that uh, I hit on and missed on. And, I mean, little things that I hit on for the quarterbacks, for example, is I basically was fading Russell Wilson this whole year. Now, he got injured, obviously, but he did not play well, and he was not doing that well when he was. So it was always sort of the recommendation of, like, where do we have the Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson? And I was constantly recommending fading Russell Wilson, putting those two guys ahead. So that's something that I definitely was a little better on. And for those in two QB leagues, I was higher on Derek Carr. I don't remember certainly being like the Derek Carr guy, but I had him uh, 18th compared to 22nd for consensus. For lower on, I was definitely lower on Tom Brady. I just figured eventually when you're a thousand years old, you're going to fall off a little bit. And I had him at 11th compared to 9th for consensus. I was also a few spots lower on Kirk Cousins, who I had at 20 compared to the consensus at 16. So that's just a a miss on my part. 
Tuma, did you have any quarterbacks in specific that you were sort of higher on or lower on that you recommended that you were targeting in drafts? Yes, that was my big wrong that I had for myself. I was so invested in the rookie quarterbacks, mainly Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and just kind of assuming that they're going to start early in the season and be awesome. And I just kept waiting and waiting for them. And even if, oh, Tom Brady's at a good value now, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts are at a good values now, I just kept and kept on passing them over, just kind of selling out for those two rookies. Obviously, that didn't go all that well. And I think the lesson there is just like I was assuming that Trey Lance was going to start earlier in the season. And I think those are OK bets to make sometimes, but you don't want to be overexposed in that regard. Yeah, I certainly recommended drafting Trey Lance everywhere. I thought that he would really be a difference maker down the stretch. And and maybe it will be for your championship weekend, but certainly it didn't work out uh, for that. For running backs, the big thing for me, and this is interesting, I look back, I actually was lower on Austin Eckler in half PPR than the consensus, but I made it clear in every PPR format, and I said this, that he was my eighth overall player. Like, forget about running back. This was a guy who I was drafting eighth overall entirely. So my teams are filled with Austin Eckler and PPR leagues, and I feel good about the way that worked out. I didn't realize until I just checked that I was apparently lower than consensus, which was weird. Other than that, really just small victories at the running back position. Like I, I definitely I had, you know, Derrick Henry over Camaro, which I realized because the injuries doesn't really necessarily work out. But that was one where I felt fine about. And I had Michael Carter six spots ahead of the consensus. So he's obviously been somebody who contributed uh, a little bit. Um, I also faded uh, a couple spots. Uh, Miles Sanders, who I was just, you know, a little lower on than consensus. They had him at 18. I was 22nd. I faded Trey Sermon pretty hard. I had him at 34th. Everybody had him at 27, 28. Uh, but it wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream. Everybody knows I was higher on Mike Davis than uh, most people. And that did not work out. I was three spots higher than consensus. I was lower on uh, James Conner, who I really did not expect to see this. And I had at 36 versus 32. And just a little lower on uh, Leonard Fournette, who obviously wound up being a pretty dominant force this entire season. So nothing crazy. I mean, wide receiver was definitely a little bit more of guys who I, I faded and, and sort of wanted to get a little bit more than the other way. But certainly some hits and misses at running back. How about you, Tumo? This is what I feel best about. And my big picture idea for running backs was fading what eventually was called the running back dead zone. And I saw... Some articles and some analysis had some places like Established the Run and NBC Sports Edge, and it just like really struck a chord with me. And kind of the poster boys for this, it was two of them. It was Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis. The idea being we don't want to draft running backs if the only reason we are drafting them is volume because the just the philosophy was that we aren't as good as pr at projecting season-long volume as we think we are, and these guys go in the fifth round, you know, you could be drafting those types around T. Higgins and just a bunch of other, like Mark Andrews, a bunch of other awesome pass catchers, Josh Allen, all these guys. And they obviously didn't pan out that well. So the the whole fading the running back dead zone thing was something that I was really happy with the results with. Yeah, I remember you putting out some stuff on that and pretty much, uh, you know, harping on it. And it definitely, definitely worked out. Receiver was interesting for me. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say that I was all in on Deontay Johnson or anything like that. But I certainly pushed him to the head of the line in that sort of middle group of wide receiver twos. He was 21st in consensus. I had him 15, and he was the guy who I wound up sort of taking. And even though it feels like he's been a little disappointing lately, his overall performance this year was excellent. I was a little higher on Jamar Chase. I didn't fade him quite when uh, he had all the dropsies and everything like that. I faded uh, a few guys, Jerry Judy and Kenny Galladay, 
pretty hard. Judy got injured, obviously, but I really don't think that he was going to be basically the borderline wide receiver two anyway in that offense. And I think it's pretty clear that he wouldn't have been regardless of his health, just given how everybody sort of worked out there. Item 33rd compared to 26. Kenny Galladay had 40th uh, rather than 30th in consensus. I just want nothing to do with him. And Jalen Waddell was a little higher on Adam 42nd compared to 48th overall. But uh, I certainly faded a few guys who worked out, notably Cooper Cup, who I had at 21st compared to 18th. So if you follow my rankings, you did not end up with Cooper Cup and you are pretty pissed about it. A little lower on uh, Mike Evans as well, 19 versus 15. Cortland Sutton, I was a little higher on. Again, I didn't love the Broncos wide receivers, but if I was taking one, I was taking Sutton over uh, Judy, and neither one of them would have worked out. And this one's interesting, and I think it's a miss because I had Marvin Jones at wide receiver 39 compared to wide receiver 46 for the consensus. He's actually wide receiver 36 on the year. So you could say like, oh, that's a good call, but it's clearly not. You never felt comfortable starting Marvin Jones, and I kind of felt like he might be the reliable flex. So he's a guy who, even though technically my overall ranking is going to be closer to where he winds up finishing, he's still a miss for me based on me sort of recommending him as a draft guy. So that's it for receiver for me. How about you, Tumo? I got a little bit burned by drafting, like focusing so much on the skill of some players like CeeDee Lamb. I just thought was so talented and he had a lot of advanced metrics that back it up. Same with T Higgins. It's a funny week to be talking about T Higgins specifically, but those offenses just go so run heavy sometimes. And I just wasn't baking that in to where I wanted to draft them. And I think that's something that I want to put a lot more thought into next off season and just thinking more in a range of outcomes per sec perspective. Cause CD lamb has some games where he gets four targets and he can be awesome, but for fantasy purposes, like you really need those offenses to be throwing a lot. That's why guys like Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams just reach these crazy high ceilings because they command an insane target share within a pass happy offense, especially in the red zone. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's Lamb was a little tough because he looked great at times. And then he just sort of went back to the slot entirely when Michael Gallup came back and that really limited his production. It's just been a weird year for that Cowboys offense. To my on tight ends, I didn't really have anything. Like I looked at my rankings, maybe there were some guys, but we're all talking about the tight end two range. I was pretty, I guess, chalky, we could say, uh, with my main recommendations. Anything stuck out to you with your tight end and the way you thought about them coming into the year? Do you think that we can ever expect Kyle Pitts to score another touchdown or is that just <laughs> never going to happen? I wonder how people feel about Kyle Pitts right now, right? Because he's been so incredibly impressive from a yardage standpoint and just no touchdowns whatsoever, right? Just the one. So it's been really, really weird. Did you like, were you recommending him? Because I think what it was is everybody had the big three with Kittle, Kelsey and Waller. And then everybody had that middle sort of group of, you know, the Andrews, the Pitts and the Hawkinson. And were you recommending that people take pits at the beginning of that? At the end of that, did you want them to reach for them or what? I've heard you talk about this a lot on shows, and I think he was a classic. If you have just one league, maybe you don't draft him at the price he was going at. But if you play in five different leagues, you know, be sure you get at least one or two shares of him just in case he was amazing right away. That's kind of where I felt like he fit into. And I'm going to be really curious to see how people value him going into next year. The Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, yeah, syndrome, right? Same, yeah, same yeah. Tuma and I are big baseball guys as well. If you guys don't play baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., hopefully you even know who he is, considering you may not play fantasy baseball. But the bottom line is that he was highly touted. Everybody assumed that he'd break out right away. He took a little bit to get going. 
But every year, and this year included, everybody sort of said, look, you've got to have the share of him no matter what, because if he goes nuts and you don't have him, you're going to be really mad. And this year he went absolutely nuts. So sort of that's how we feel about Kyle Pitts. And hopefully people will take a step back and realize just how good he was this year. All right, Tuma, let's talk briefly about, you know, breaking into the business. We can talk about my sort of journey if you want. My guess is people, a lot of people know it already because I've talked about it a lot. But you are a guy who, you know, you've sort of just put yourself there in the point where maybe you were doing things that weren't exactly your dream to do in the fantasy industry or anything like that. But it was stuff that you realized added value and got your foot in the door a little bit more. And you you did a great job with it. So you just got finally a full time job in the fantasy industry, which is so fantastic. Why don't you tell people a little bit about how that all came about to be for you? Yeah, so first of all, this is a topic, you know, we could do a 10-hour Last Dance style uh, show on just like diving into all the intricacies of it. Um, But I also, you know, I don't consider myself someone who's, you know, like quote-unquote made it yet. Like it's the start of what I hope is going to be another great opportunity, but you're always, always grinding away and trying to advance in this space or really whatever career it is you're doing. You know, a lot of my thoughts and strategy and of how I've tried to get into the fantasy industry and advance myself could apply, you know, to any other career in many walks of life as well. And I think the number one thing, and I've talked about this with you so often, is just developing a diverse skill set. So many people start out in fantasy, you know, with a Twitter account, and maybe you're writing articles for a site, and maybe you're doing some news desk work. And that's all great. Those are great starting points. But wherever you are, if this fantasy is something you want to do, just keep adding skills. If you know, you want to start a podcast, but you don't have anyone who can produce it, then, you know, just teach it to yourself. Like some of these skills, the the entry, the barrier to entry isn't that high. So whether, you know, it's podcast production or video production or, you know, editing articles, anything that you can do to help advance yourself, either, you know, within an established company or to start creating your own original content. I just think these days you need such a diverse skill set. Also be reliable. Uh, I mean, Tuma really got started a lot um, producing Leading Off, which was a show that we would record or that I would record. Uh, what was the average, Brendan? 1 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. Is that, like right? <laughs> yeah. And he, he would he would produce it. And he wanted to do it because he wanted to be a part of it. And he knew it It sort of made him a bigger part of the Fantasy Pros team. And he was there every single time. and And that was tough. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is always like, if you are reliable, if you take on more responsibility and you kill it, like I firmly believe that the reason I was at this company is because when I was assigned a task or when I volunteered for a task, it got done. And what I'm realizing is that's not often the case with people um, who either want to make it in this biz or even already are in this biz, like stuff that is part of your responsibilities, do it, do it well. But do it. Make sure it's done because that's going to get you even further than, you know, just sort of doing things once in a while or, you know, being really, really good at your craft, but being unreliable. That's that's not even as good. I'm telling you, like just being there and making sure that things are done goes a long way. So that's a big part of it. So, Brennan, why don't you very quickly, like, tell everybody what you're going to be doing? I know you announced it on Twitter, but not everybody uh, is on the Twitter machine. So just tell everybody what the opportunity is. Yeah, so I'm joining Underdog Fantasy, which is a company that I've 
you know, been monitoring and I think is like really exciting in an up and coming sort of way. And uh, basically the job I'll be doing is helping with a lot of their sports information. It's going to be kind of similar to like the news desk work that I've been doing at Fantasy Pros for so long, like legitimately like talking to people about this position. It was like, I felt like, I'm not sure, Dan, if you're familiar with the idea of like 10,000 hours, you need 10,000 hours sure. in life to become Malcolm Gladwell, is that who does it? Is yep. that who said yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, I think that like, I have 10,000 hours worth of news desk experience and monitoring the NFL news cycle and the Schefter tweet comes out and, you know, it's on my phone and then we're getting the fancy blurbs out within two seconds and as fast as we can and <laughs> yeah. here's what it means and here's what it means when a beat writer said something versus a coach says something directly and just all these like little things uh it seems to be paying off we'll we'll see how it where it goes from here but but it's exciting for sure well i'm really proud of you uh i think you've done a great job obviously with all your work for fantasy pros and, and betting pros frankly because you produce a lot of podcasts over there as well um, but, uh, you know, I consider you a close friend anyway, regardless of where our fantasy sports paths take us. Uh, and I want to say thanks. And I assume that if anybody, Brendan, has any questions about either fantasy baseball or fantasy football or breaking into the fantasy sports industry, that you encourage them to reach out to you somewhere. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's at too much Tuma. And I love just talking, you know, fantasy sports, sports in general, all this sort of stuff. I try to be as active and, you know, responsive as possible on there as we all do. So always, always feel free to reach out. And yeah, thank you as well, Dan, for all the opportunities throughout the years. My absolute pleasure. All right. Well, that is going to do it both for this episode of the kickoff and the season of the kickoff. This was something new we wanted to try after the success of leading off. Uh, it was a grind, I will admit, definitely. Uh, there were times where I was a little under the weather and, and just trying to make sure I got it out. I hope you guys found some value in it. I really appreciated all the positive feedback I got on our Discord, on Twitter, everything like that. Uh, really, you guys are what makes any show work. So uh, for the final time, that's going to do it for the kickoff. I hope you guys have a wonderful championship of fantasy football Sunday and that you all bring home the gold. and. I will talk to you again on the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast.